Thank you for joining us on the inaugural episode of Strange McKnight's. My name is Daniel McKnight, and the whole podcast is just to talk about whatever we want to talk about, the people we want to talk to, and whatever they want to say. You know, it can be strange, it can be funny, it can be sad, it can be outrageous. You know, it it's really what we're interested in. There's no topic that's, you know, off limits to a degree, I suppose. But uh, today, I got to sit down for an hour with my best friend, Clark Webb, up here in Amesbury, Massachusetts, and we talked about everything from the foundation of our friendship to some of the great memories we have to some of the more difficult journeys we've had to take, and uh, I think it's a great one. And if you guys enjoy the podcast and you want to consider supporting us, you can find us at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash strange McKnight's. It'll help us be able to it will help us be able to produce more interesting content travel more places find more interesting people to talk to you know and we're not looking for a bunch of high profile celebrity types they're awesome but we also want to find the interesting people all over the country so have a listen and keep listening if you like it i'm just gonna talk yeah we're gonna talk you know stop talking over me bitch what i don't know I was going to do that. Oh, yeah, and we're live, finally. <laughs> and Clark steals the intro from my own fucking podcast. And I have to go to bed. It's almost 8.30. Uh, no, it's not. It's only 7.08 Eastern it's only Standard 7:08. Time. You're going to stay up late tonight. What are, well, we're, uh, not gonna, we're not telling people where we, where we are. No, we're not telling Eastern people But it's Eastern Standard Time. This is Eastern Standard Time. You know, we don't want, you know, psychos coming after us. Yeah, We've you We've had know. a few in our life, haven't we? Gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> um, my name's Carl West. <laughs> Carl I'm West. Carl West. Carl West. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Strange McKnight's, your host, Daniel McKnight. And I'm here with my best friend, uh, Clark Webb. BFFs forever. BFFs forever. So, Clark, wh- when did we meet? 2005? Yeah, 2005, 2006. Clark goes way back, almost 20 oh years. God. Oh, my God. Almost 20 years. Now, do you remember where we met? Yeah, Chipotle. Chipotle. Outside of church. Outside of midtown Manhattan, we were oh going to God. church. So, we were uh, sharing Starbucks stories right out the gate. I will never forget, and every time I talk to somebody now, I always, uh, I always tell them the story about the first time I told you about who I was dating. And yeah. what was your response? <laughs> As in, why are you dating somebody with a, a kid? My very first girlfriend in yeah. life yeah. was a single mom with a six-month-old baby. Was a baby. baby mama. Yeah. And that was my first girlfriend. I think, you know, right out of the gate, very, very honest and authentic. Why the fuck would you date somebody with a kid? Your, your words verbatim were, if I would have met you six months ago, oh. this never would have happened. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a dick thing to say. No, we, we, we have a great track record in our, in our relationships, don't we? Oh, we sure do. And look at us now. <laughs> I mean, it all leads somewhere. It all leads somewhere. Anyway, I thought it would be great to uh, get together with Clark, as in he's one of my oldest friends in, in adulthood at this point. Mm. Uh, we've been through some shit yeah. in this life. We <laughs> uh, Lots of jobs together. Lots of jobs together. Wild West performers. Lots of blackout nights together. <laughs> we... Uh, we ran mechanical bolts for a while. Yeah, you literally almost started singing the uh, the theme song that, that we should never sing. Terrible theme song. No, we'll get canceled before we even get started. Yeah, mechanical bowls. We ran mechanical bowls out of New York City, all around the tri-state area. Out of Queens. Yeah, we kept that public storage. Oh God, when, I still get nauseous when I see a budget truck, ten foot budget truck <laughs> with a lift gate, dude. <laughs> Nightmares. Every time I see a lift gate, period, and I see how they, this is. Super boring for everyone out there, I'm sure. But yes, we've had uh, you know hotels and mechanical bulls, and uh, then I went off the deep end, and and I, I fell in love. You fell in love. I went off the deep mm. end. Yeah, how's that working I out mean, for you? Oh, I got divorced. <laughs> Congratulations! Four years ago, welcome to Americanhood. And I got sober while I got divorced while being oh, a father to no. a three-year-old. Hey. Life is a really crazy journey sometimes. Not difficult at all. No, it was so easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we all went off our deep end. A little bit. Yeah, we had some strange McKnights in New York City oh, we for had some sure. strange McKnights in New York City. I don't remember a lot of them. 
sober four years though. What do you how what do you know? Seven years? Six and a half. Hell yeah. Six and a half. No more alcohol. Six and a half, no booze, man. And I gotta tell you though, it was uh it was a difficult only for a little while. The most difficult part for me was learning how to be social. Mm. I didn't have the obsession to drink as far as like needing alcohol mm-hmm. as its own thing. I just had a difficult time going out. Or dating was a very difficult thing. Trying to figure out how to navigate that, trying to find the confidence in uh in my own life or trying to find my own inner confidence being like hey i don't drink i don't care what you think about it was difficult i always found myself giving excuses over and over again as to why i didn't drink or finding some way to like make it seem cooler than it actually was in my head at the time yeah i mean i big difference i uh living where i live in a more yuppie kind of uh family oriented area not in a big city north of a big city i guess um of my drinking was really in solitude so it wasn't at bars so for me it was not running from all the stuff that i was drinking myself away from it's difficult yeah but no i just once i once i decided yeah well i mean you were a big part of that because you encouraged it because you were sober before me oh yeah but you definitely saw me at my bottom Uh, which i didn't get to witness with you as much nothing better than coming here for christmas I mean, my last taking relap- a bunch of benzos, getting oh. Cra- oh yeah, blackout oh, drunk, yeah, yeah. leaving all of the weed that I was delivering oh, for man, that, that guy the, in the bar, and that, having to go back and hope to God it was still there. And that yeah. was Christmas of 2014 because my yeah. mom had just died, right? And I was fucked up in my own way. Your of, mom died. My girlfriend left me. 2014 sucked, and, then I, be- and then I became a dad three months later. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot that we're not divulging to you guys. I'm sure that we can, but we'll be here for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. We can just start at the beginning where it's fun. <laughs> what do you mean? Where all the trauma and toxicity and everything started? Well, yeah. I mean, we trauma bonded, uh, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, no, Daniel and I were instant best friends from the moment that we met. Maybe, like, in former life, we were, like, lovers or something like it that. Could, it could have been. A deep, soulful brother. We, we were both, I, I think I think for us, it was that we were both yearning for, like, a brother. Oh yeah, man, and you know, we have both had. Buddy we, at we that both time. had. We have both had significant others that accused us of being gay for each other. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what can you say? We're two sexy motherfuckers. My you girlfriend know? at the time. I'm not gonna oh, say man. names. I don't. <laughs> She's like, "Why don't you go fuck your boyfriend?" Wow. Yeah, it was aggressive. Oof. She yeah. wanted, Remember that one night she called me. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, and I, <laughs> wait, what did I say? Uh, I was like, "Stop checking in on your boyfriend. He's a grown man. If he wants to call you, call you back." <laughs> I was so mad at you. Oh, man. Because I got, I was in deep shit for that. I don't know why. She wasn't mad at you. She was mad at me for yeah. what you said. It wasn't really a very supportive friend thing for me to do. Yeah, but it was true. But you know when you drink, you know, you just, that's the problem with passive, like not speaking your mind. It comes out in other times oh, like yeah. that. But of course, I could never have handled that or done that to like in my own relationships. Of course back not. Back in the day. I couldn't have. I was terrified of her. Yeah. She was scary. It was too much. You know, the truth be told, when your first girlfriend is somebody who was raised in New York City in a Dominican family with a six-month-old baby, I was in way over my head. <laughs> Which is why I said if I'd way. met you six months earlier, none of this would have ever happened. <laughs> Do you remember, though, when she finally broke it off with me? I couldn't keep my shit together. It was like... Somebody ripped the heart out of my chest and just dangled in front of my face. I remember yeah, that night that she rolled into that bar with that other guy. We weren't officially broken up. She just rolled in with this dude from the Marine Corps, from the Marine Corps that she was dating. And uh, it was the only time I've ever tried to pick a fight in my whole life. And I was so drunk. With a Marine Corps guy? Yeah. Was I around for that? You were, but you were home. Oh. I was out, and it was, uh, it was that Calvin crew. It was that whole Calvin oh, crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we went to that R bar down on the Lower East Side. Oh, there's Bowery or somewhere around there. And uh, the uh, the bartender overheard what was happening, and she was like, "So I just to give a quick story uh, of what happened." So Foy, Foy, uh, it's out there now. I'm not gonna edit that out. There's a lot of those. Anyway. there's a lot of those out there. <laughs> um, we we were dating, and you know, her and I are great friends now. It's it's fine, but this is just something that happened, and. We had dated, and we were both very young, um, both very young, both very confused. 
and we had a lot of great times. That being said, she had sat me down one night and said, we need to take a break. Taking a break doesn't mean breakup as far as I'm concerned. So I was invited to a mutual friend's birthday party. And they were like, hey, you should come. We'd like to have you. And I was like, that's not a good idea. I really shouldn't go. You know, Foy's going to be there tonight. And I just shouldn't, I shouldn't be there. And they're like, no, 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 you should come. It's messed up if you don't come. We're all friends. I went, she rolls in with a date. Mm-mm. And I was just like, what are you doing? She's uh-huh. like, I can do whatever I want. I'm a grown person. Nobody has control of all that kind of shit. And then the bartender, so go back. The bartender overhears. And God bless her. She meant well. But then she fed me free Patron all night long. So it quickly escalated into me elbowing and punching a brick wall in an oak bar, smacking the back of my head into the brick wall, trying to pick a fight with Jason. Oh. And then, uh, thank God he wasn't drunk enough to fuck me up. Uh, Trying to pick a fight with a guy she showed up with. Running around Times Square throwing shit randomly across the street. That's where you showed up in, like, I think, my sister's, right? I showed up at your yeah. sister's house because you guys live next door to each other, and yeah. I just I was covered in bruises from like head to I think toe. You fractured your ankle. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think bad. ultimately what happened. <laughs> I didn't hit anyone except for inanimate objects. That really I got into, I got into a fight with a bus stop. <laughs> I uh, definitely jumped in and tried to scare tourists in Times Square, um, like just going. <laughs> <laughs> How did you not get arrested? Yelling and crying, running around Times Square, completely out of my mind. And two cops saw me, and he looks at me, and he goes, we're going to walk around the block. And if we come back and you're still here, you're going to jail. And I was like, I remember where I live. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> thank you, officer. I am. Thank you, officer. I'm, I'm totally sober. I am I'm totally, totally sober. sober. <laughs> totally sober. Wow. Tober. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a rough one. And that, but that was the first time that I really broke down and felt heartbreak. Mm. And you're like, it's going to be okay. It's like, it's not. It's not going to be okay. Not that I really knew what heartbreak was at that time. Yeah, but anyway. I was always the I was always the one that ended the relationships. I never did. I still haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts no matter what. Yeah. I I also never knew what I wanted, nor did I know what I was doing when it came to relationships. That I'm was, pretty sure it hurts less when you're the breakup-er than you are the breakup-e. I'm sure it does. I'm s- as a breakup e Clark. Oh, here we as, go. <laughs> here we go. As a multiple time breakup e what is it? As a multiple award winning breakup e Wow. Yeah. You get the lifetime achievement. I'm a lifetime <laughs> achievement award for getting dumped. Um, yeah. So what I do you think that means getting like being the breakup or over the breakup e? What it means? Like like philosophically, what could that mean? I'm going to let you take the lead on that one. I mean, I don't even know if I want, I don't even know, honestly. <laughs> I don't think it has any philosophical thing. I just think I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough to break up with somebody. Mm. I needed people to break up with me. I needed to give them excuses to break up with me. And then when they did it, I didn't want them to do it. And that's when I would lose my mind. I wanted right. Foy to break up with me. But then when she did it, I was like, wait, what? Um, I lost a lot of weight, though. I got to tell you, the best diet plan is a breakup plan. <laughs> I do not encourage that. Hey, listen, everybody out there. We're recording a podcast on professional equipment. So if you need to lose weight, get dumped. What does that have to do with recording a podcast on professional equipment? Yeah, I'm just saying. We have professional equipment. We must be... Uh, we must be Look, the best the best dating advice that I will give to everyone who's listening, whether it's one person or five million, as a father now who's been through the ringer, the best thing to do is to learn mm-hmm. to date yourself. Oh my god. Because only once you can date yourself and love yourself can you truly date. You can find Clark Webb on Instagram, guys, if you want to send person. him harassing emails. <laughs> uh no, the true the best dating advice is that unfortunately no dating advice is going to prevent you from being having pain or causing pain or experiencing heartbreak because it's going to happen because honestly dating is like trying clothes on you have to try some clothes on to find a good fit that's terrible advice and i'm a dad so there you have it clark uh no but the best dating advice is understand your family toxicity and trauma and how it 
manifest itself in the relationships that you have. That's actually good. Advice. And to actually figure out why it makes you want to be in a relationship so that you end up attracting the right people and not people you're trying to fix or make happy or you're trying to find value in because you don't love yourself. I mean, yeah. well, do you love yourself now? I, I absolutely do. I, I, I like myself a lot more than I used to. I'd yeah. say I love myself. I, do. I can't honestly say I've ever felt that way until this year, like the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, though, yeah, I mean, it's cheesy, but dating yourself, being alone, it's okay. It is okay. If I've we, been alone almost my entire life, though. Mm. So I'm on the odds. There's, there's part of that that in and of itself is a red flag to some people, that I haven't lived with somebody, I haven't been married, um, you know, I don't have children, and I'm 42. I, I do like to make the joke, though, that... <laughs> I'm like a unicorn, you know? I'm a 42-year-old man with no baggage. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you define baggage. So but if you I've define it with, like, a bunch of crazy exes, I don't have any of that. So am I, am I, am I a, a, like, a Pegasus or something? Because I'm a 42-year-old man who doesn't have baggage, but I have a, a beautiful son? I would say you're like a... But I also have a girlfriend and a partner now, and it's all because of my journey with relationships and stuff, so it's all good. Yeah, I think you have a, a Patronus. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've always liked Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, yeah. Patronus. What would my Patronus I read all the fucking books, like, back so to back good, to back man. to back. Let's date ourselves. That started back in college in two, yeah. 1998? 99 a little bit. 99? Yeah. I don't remember. I think I I read the first book in 2001. And I was like, this yeah. is dumb. I'm going to read this book because it's dumb. It's amazing. Dude, it was one of the best books I've ever read. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we're all over the place. Some deep yeah, stuff, some really deep, not shit. deep stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say that we're lucky that we survived in New York City. Yeah, I mean, you still live there. And where do you live, Clark? I live, I live north of Boston. Yeah, and we'll just say we're the great, greater Boston area. It doesn't greater matter. Boston it's not like anyone's area. looking. If for anyone me. wants to know where Clark Webb lives, he lives. I mean, you can literally find me on TikTok, and I think someone on TikTok actually recognized one of my like videos because i shot a video of the river and the boats they were like that's newburyport i was like yeah there you go yeah there you go not creepy at all no you know in this world i mean ultimately i think anyone can find anyone so um why don't you tell share with us uh what you what you're doing tomorrow there buddy i'm getting a nose job <laughs> oh. getting my schnoz fixed yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having surgery on my nose yeah what getting happened my deviated septum fixed and a Turb turbinate adjustment. I don't know. They're fixing my nose. Oh well, the reason Daniel's truly here, uh, supporting me and and picking me up after my surgery tomorrow is because he's part of the reason my nose needs to be fixed. Mm. Because well, you know, uh, speaking of divorces, uh, my bachelor party back in 2011, we were playing paintball, and I was betrayed by Daniel and my other friend. And so I was running through the woods for my life because about like 10 guys were coming after me with paintball guns. You had a gun. No, no. We were playing Protect the President, and I did not have a gun. I yeah. That. I thought you had a gun. You guys all had a stuff. great idea. So we're drinking whiskey in the woods, playing paintball, because we were not sober at that time. And, you know, we'd been playing normal, like, you know, five on five. And then the guys had a great idea of, like, pr Protect the President or something like that. So it was you and Kevin were my guards and I did not have a paintball gun mm. and we walk out like I don't know a little ways into the woods and Daniel and Kevin go Clark run and I was like what and you guys run we're gonna give you 30 seconds head start all oh, right because yeah. we betrayed you and I was betrayed <laughs> literally Julius Caesar almost and so I'm running through the woods gracefully in my mind leaping boulders like like Rambo until my foot catches a stick or something and I face plant into a boulder and, and we get the, the, the uh, mask really actually saved my face somehow, but my nose got a little deviated with that. Mm. And a decade later, I'm finally getting it fixed. Yeah. I, uh, I'll never forget the cry. You guys, you guys, I need help. I'm hurt real bad. I'm hurt real bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get a little dramatic. Nothing better. Who's the guy who's like, I can fix your nose for you, man. You just got to like pop back into yeah, place, I bro. Mean, so then Daniel offers me his health insurance card. Oh, yeah, to we're go gonna commit insurance to fraud go for to your the nose. ER to get my nose fixed. He's like, they're never gonna know. I was like, dude, I smell like whiskey. This is not gonna go well. 
And then a friend of mine's like, Clark, just drink this whiskey. We're going to, we're going to set your nose back in place. I'm like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> and thus, you know, but we did try to make it up to you by stripping down. Yeah. And then they, they got butt ass naked and ran. I shot him with a paintball gun. Yeah. I, th- that fucking Mark did not leave my body for like six months. Yeah, I peppered you guys pretty good. Yeah. I didn't realize the paintballs could leave that long of a mark yeah, on your body. They're aggressive. Yeah. That's why you have to wear a mask. To protect your face when you are running for your life in the woods during paintball and you smash your face into a boulder. Oh, yeah. It's a good thing you're wearing a mask. Those yeah. are good paintball masks. I should are think you excited? Mike's about the nose surgery? Yeah. It must be exciting. You get to get high for the first time in four oh, years. Yeah. I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to have full capacity of myself because of drugs. Mm, drugs. Not really excited about it, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it'll be fine. I mean, they're going to put a big needle in my arm, put me to sleep and fix my nose and wake me up and I'll be drooling on myself or something. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. Probably want to record me the car ride home and who knows what I'm going to say. Ooh. That's why I had to be Daniel that picked me up. Cause I don't want anyone else to see me under the influence. <laughs> Cause I don't know what'll come out of my mouth. Hmm. I'm sure I'll be fine. It's not yeah. like going to be drunk. That's a different kind of like under the influence when you just like let everything out from the inside. It's true, you know. Uh, but yeah, no surgery. So there we go. Fix my nose. It'll be good. Dr. Seymour. It's good, it's good. He's going to fix my nose. Not Dr. Seymour Butts, by the way, everybody. Not Dr. Seymour. <laughs> Everyone at the gym this morning. I was when like, were you born? 1980? <laughs> <laughs> 1979? 1979, actually. Under the Bleachers by Seymour Butts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yellow uh, River by I.P. Freely. I.P. Freely. Jinx. One, two, three, five, seven, that's a cherry joke. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're doing some stand-up stuff. I started doing stand-up. How's it going? It's, I'm pretty awful. Well, uh, Rome, well, wasn't, no, no, Rome ju- wasn't built overnight. Well, you know, I shouldn't say I'm awful. Actually, I'm doing okay. But, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve, right? You know, I haven't performed in front of audiences for 20 years. So I started when I was... In high school, I wanted to be an actor. That was my thing. I wanted to be a comic, stand-up, you know. uh, And somewhere along the line, you know, life just started happening. You know, I did take off to California when I was 18. I, dude. Yeah, what was, was, tell everyone about one of your jobs when you moved to California. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're sharing everything. Oh, yeah. I had a hard time keeping jobs in California. And there was a period of time where I was like, yeah, it's a great idea to take my 1980 Volvo 240DL and be a, an, a driver for escorts in Los mm. Angeles. I found an ad in the back of the LA Weekly advertising for escort drivers. And so I spent an evening, literally one night, driving this nursing student around Los Angeles while she robbed, she literally robbed the clients. <laughs> and then she, uh, so I dropped- those nursing, uh, dude, nurse I would, schooling bills. I would take her to the client's house. She would be like, oh, I got to give the money to my driver, and then I'll come back. She would come out, and she'd get in the car, and she would just be like, drive. And uh, so then I would just drive. And I was like up in the valley. I was in Pasadena. I was around California, like all over L.A. We went. We were in um, West Hollywood, and she did that to a guy. And he started chasing me through uh, through downtown, uh, like I guess the West Hollywood area, oh my God. Uh, with his Camaro. Oh, nice. Versus my Volvo. No problem. My little 1980 Volvo. I don't see an issue. Like, the only thing I had back there was like a couple of baseball bats. I'm like, I'm fucked. <laughs> I don't even, I've never been in a fight in my life, man. I didn't know what I was going to do. Did she like, he did make peel it up off to you for, uh, no, they gave me 50 bucks. Wow. The then wow. the church. So I was going to church oh, at the time. Praise I Jesus. I lived in a church house. <laughs> Somehow they found out that that's what I did for one night. They pull me, they have a meeting of the elders to discuss my future in the church. They, the pastor pulls me into his office, sits me down, and he's like, Daniel, are you a pimp? Mm. The, the, the like, whole, yeah, I'm making 50 the whole, bucks tonight. <laughs> the whole church. Yes, reverend. The whole elder group thought I was pimping, like I was working in the sex trade and I was pimping women out. And I was like, no, I'm just driving them around to the clients and they're stealing their money. I'm not a pimp. I'm just a cabbie. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Speaking of, like, we've had some, we've had, uh, we have interesting history with religion. We do. We want to get real serious. Oh, God. You yeah, got I went, on, I went on my own, though. 
that was the difference between you and I. Yeah. So my parents were nuts, like mm. bad nuts. And, uh, and I went to church as an act of rebellion. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be like these fuckers. And, uh, yeah. And I had the Bible shoved down my throat from the time I was born. Yeah. Yeah. So we were both evangelical in that sort of non-denominational evangelical sort of Protestant, um, culture. But mine was of my own volition versus yours was not a choice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so it was really easy for me when you got excommunicated to be like, burn the fucking letter, burn it. We'll take fi- pictures and send it. And yeah. Yeah. Like, so I got, I got excommunicated from my parents' church, which I don't even, I tell people that story. They're like, what? Like, does that, does that even happen anymore? I was like, yeah, no, it like literally happened to me. Cause I joined my parents' church when I was 12, which no church let a 12 year old child ever become a member of their church. Mm. Um, but yeah, I started living a life of sin and I was had moved in with my now ex. Hey, we're going to pause for a second, guys. We'll be right back. Pause. And, uh, yeah, the church didn't like it and they said pretty much uh you were cut off from the body of God. How did that feel? Well, it was horrible. I mean, now that I understand myself, it it triggered such deep guilt and shame in my heart. Really? I just never knew that about that. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I think I made fun of it so much because um, of, because of my my relationship with the church was different. Well, I mean, now that I've gone through my grief work, so uh, so when I, my mom died on November twenty third, two thousand fourteen, from uh, pancreatic cancer, she was gone in under six months, and this will make sense in a second. But afterwards, for all those that are listening, I did a really I, I got into grief work because I was in a bad place between my grief. Uh, my son was going to be born three months after my mom died. Uh, and my alcoholism, which was unnamed at the time, was amping up in combination with my grief. So I started doing a lot of work. And now, seven years later, now I understand all the guilt and shame and grief in my life that in that moment of getting excommunicated, it pretty much triggered one of the deepest kind of things I've always struggled with, with, which is guilt and shame about, you know, making bad choices or being a failure, being a disappointment to my, my parents or, uh, being a disappointment in general or upsetting people, lots of fears, you know, and if you do sober work of any sort, whether it's an A or something, you begin to understand all the fears and resentments at play and stuff. And so, yeah, you know, we made fun of it, but that caused me a lot of pain. You know, yeah, I never really considered that actually. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, I mean, we didn't understand it. Yeah, well, and it's, I mean, we had no idea. I mean, I had no, I was like, so why do I want to drink? I don't, I want to drink because it makes me feel better. I was always just like, fuck Christians, you know. But yeah, it's, I mean, in hindsight, it's stupid, you know, like who does that? Who, who says to a person, I mean, that's the horrible way of shaming and guilting someone, yeah, you know, uh, but it happened to me and it's. <laughs> just another interesting chapter of my life well you know i uh, i remember we were in bay ridge when that yeah. went down and it yeah. was christmas and i'll never forget we were watching up such a great movie dude tearjerker <laughs> you i've never heard a grown man sob quite so quickly and quite so violently than when that <laughs> when his wife died oh yeah <laughs> you did it it was so intense that it pissed everyone off at the party. Everyone's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Um, well, but, uh, yeah, I but mean, it was. Like, it, I think I'd it was also the, probably been drinking well, most of that day. Yeah, and it was also. I think it was the same night as the uh, as the letter. I'm pretty sure it was. It was right around because it was a group of us there. And it, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I remember it. And, I uh, mean, I'm sure there was. I mean, ultimately, there's there's grief in there. Yeah, you know. 100%. Now that I understand grief and how it's tied into my life and alcoholism and and everything and anything that I've ever done in my entire life until I understood and got sober and you know understood my grief yeah obviously there was grief in something being triggered and that was far before my mom even got sick and died yeah well also those people were such a deep deep part of your life for so long to have them i never really considered that you know to have these people who were such an important and such probably a very intense part of your life especially when you were coming of age and as a teenager and finding your identity uh it and I just saw it from a viewpoint of how I saw church because I went on my own and nobody 
told me to go. So it wasn't yeah. really part of my identity in the same way that it was yours. So to understand that now, that must have just been like, that would have been like equivalent of me writing you a letter and being like, we can't be friends anymore because you're marrying somebody I don't like. Mm. You know? So I guess, you know, like at the time, I didn't see it like that. I just saw it as like a bunch of fucking like overweight Midwesterners. Well, you know, that's probably kind of fair. Yeah. That might be kind of fair. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, um, they ate too much goddamn corn. Uh, you know, I mean, I, uh, the religion that I grew up in was founded back in the 1700s based on John, on Calvinism. Yeah. I mean, so there are things pre- where predestination, predestination. Um, like if you're born into a Christian family, you'll go to heaven, even if you don't accept Jesus in your heart because you're born. I don't know what the term is that that's for, but, um, I mean, I, I had no identity. I was just a, a sheep, literally, <laughs> and the sheep that stepped away got cut off. Yeah. Uh, and my sister was like, "Don't let this harden your heart to God." I was like, "Too late." Yeah. Fuck him. Is it still hardening like, your heart to God, Clark? Oh no, no, I'm I'm good with with God. I understand God is a completely different thing in my life now, and I've yeah. seen Mom as my God and everything. And you know, whether you go to AA or God as you understand Him, her, it to be. You know, no, I talk to God and Mom all the time. Now I kind of, you know, what's interesting about the whole sober journey is that I now understand and respect like people's faiths that I grew up with because now I'm the same way in my own way. I'm very passionate about faith, but not like in a religious way. And I actually think that my faith is much deeper and stronger than anyone that I knew growing up with. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, cause it's yours. You built on it. Yeah. You built yourself. And I think it actually works because I've seen it change me and I see it in my son. Yeah. You know, because I understand my family. Yeah. You know, you've so, done a lot of work, a lot of hard fucking work. Yeah, man. The, and uh, it started with religion. I and remember, stuff. I remember when I was like, got to New York and I was going to church and I was going to glad tidings tabernacle. That was that one that we met at. Well, after church we met and, Chipotle. uh, yeah. And we bonded over Starbucks. We both worked for Starbucks. Yeah. God, we're so corny. We literally just came back to the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Full circle. Anyway. So, I had decided at one point when I first got to New York that I was working for Starbucks in New York. I wanted to get a tattoo to hold myself accountable to Christ. That's right. Oh my God. So I got this tattoo on my arm, uh, Philippians 4.13. It just said Phil 4.13 uh, around a cross. And it was on St. Mark's. I got it done on St. Mark's place. I got it done on St. Mark's place. Uh, Worst place to get a tattoo in the city. You know, it's like getting a tattoo in Times Square or something, mm. you know, uh, or the West no shame in that you people. Know. If you've done it. Um, anyway, I think the day I got the tattoo, I hooked up with a chick and she was like, who's Phil four thirteen? Out skipping a beat. I just went, Oh, that's my friend, Phil. He died on April 13th. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. She's like, Oh, so much for holding myself. Is accountable. he with Jesus now? Oh yeah. no. <laughs> don't, don't talk about Jesus. I can't tell you the difficult time I had, um, figuring out the sexual part of myself because of the church. Mm. So I had a, so I lost my virginity at like 22 and I lost my virginity like a one night stand. And, and uh, the, I remember, I know I'm sorry, I'm skipping over my words right now, but every time I would sleep with somebody, whether I was dating them or anything, I would have this unbelievable uh, weight of guilt, mm-hmm. just this crushing weight of guilt being like, oh my yeah. God, here I go again. I'm going to go straight to hell. I have to like, re- like rededicate my life to Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've Aww. rededicated my life to Christ. Born you know, again, you, virgin. I was a born-again virgin so many times. I feel times. like we should have cued in the song, Here I go again on my own. <laughs> Down the only open Our road God I ever know. is an awesome God. Oh, he reigns no, don't. Just from heaven above. See, I was singing oh. a really good song, and you just brought the <laughs> fucking religion song. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. The, um, oh, my yeah, God. So every religion time I had and sex. sex. Oh. Every time I had sex, I'd be like, I can't. You know, like, I would be uh, crushed. Be like, oh, here I go playing the grace card again, right? You know, for those of you who are not involved in the church, the grace card is this idea that you go and you commit a sin, knowing you can ask for forgiveness afterwards. You know, it's a lot. It's it's very similar to the Catholic Church and their penance, like paying penance or whatever that is with them. You know, you go and you pay some money. Our fathers, hail marys. I made a bad choice. Some words are going to fix it. Yeah, and erase my guilt. And then eventually, one day, I was like, this is dumb. Then I realized the whole thing is dumb. 
for me. Uh, it was like, what am I doing? But it's the problem is, is because we've become, we experience those things in a, uh, in such a formative period of our life that it's always going to be embedded in us. So I'm always going to have this sort of Christian mentality with me. I don't know about you, but with me, with Protestant, well, no, not with sex. I've worked that out, a lot of that out. You just mean in general? Just in general. Yeah. yeah. This uh, this sort of Christian identity in general, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a very strong person of faith now, but not in a religious way. So no, no irony in it. I see it all now, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I respect and understand why my parents were so passionate about their faith, but I also see it for what it, for what it was. Now that I understand, kind of addiction and all that stuff. But sex and religion, oh man, my when I lost my virginity in high school, my senior year, there was, it was literally like American Pie. It was like literally something out of a movie, where the really good boy gets laid. And his friends say, we're not going to tell anybody. And then the good boy walks into school the next day, and everyone's literally like, Clark, you got laid last night. Congratulations. And I'm like, oh, my God, everyone knows. Even the teachers know. Oh, God. Yeah, so add that to the shame of, like, religious. I struggle with shame and sex. Um, even well into my being married. Yeah, well, you know? no, I still, I, I guess I, to, to some degree, I struggle with shame and sex. And that is directly related to religion. Yeah. Um, I think finally in the last couple of years, probably because my journey and my my girlfriend, my partner, like, it definitely has turned a corner for the first time ever. It's pretty cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've changed how I date. So I'm trying to date with purpose and, and you know, not jumping into bed with people right away. Mm. Not even really making a move right away, which can be detrimental with with some people. You know, they they see it as a uh, as a slight on them, like it's something wrong with them, and it has actually it's nothing to do with them. It's mm. everything to do with me and my desire to want to connect and making sure that I want to connect. Maybe it's a bit of an overcorrection, but uh, this desire to want to connect on an emotional and mental level first. Well, as I saw to a physical level. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know where i heard it but uh you know once you become a parent or at least if you want to go down that journey of like trying to understand what you're going to teach your kids if you want to give them a better life or have them have an easier life or do something better than you did someone said an interesting thing on abstinence uh that they were going to teach their sons at or their kids abstinence because when sex is involved too early it blinds you to the truth of the other person and so i think it's an interesting way for me to think about approaching my son someday about abstaining from sex as long as possible because it really does. Like if you have sex really fast, you're then physically connected on a really deep level and it blinds you to who the person to is. who the person really is because you don't really get to know them before you become physically well, because intimate. you start becoming physically obsessed with them. Yeah, and I in hindsight you're like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So I mean, I not from a religious standpoint, I highly ab- suggest abstaining from sex as long as possible. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny that we've come to the same sort of like very different paths, but come to the same sort of uh, uh, hypothesis. What's truth? The, you know, the same, the same. Uh, we've come to the same conclusion yeah, when yeah. it comes to sex. To be like, let me take a longer time. Let me take take more time with this person and make sure that I actually enjoy them and want to be with them and spend time with them. And, and if someone is offended because you don't want to have sex with them, that's more because they probably need that physical validation that they're loved right. yeah. and accepted and that they're beautiful or attractive. Which is, it's just fair. You know, I'm not discounting those feelings. Everyone wants No, that. that's okay. But that that's about them. Yeah. I mean, that's just the four, the book Four Agreements opens up a whole world about understanding why yeah. people take things personal. Yeah. And you just can't take a personal back. That's a great book, by the way. It recommendation. Great, read The Four, four agreements, agreements, four agreements by Don guys. Miguel Ruiz. That it's is a great. powerful book. It's an easy read. It's very simple. It's a bit corny. It's right there. Oh, yeah. It's right above the back of my head. Um, That's more like it's to the right of your head, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, it, It's a bit corny sometimes. I don't... Oh, the sure. writing is a bit corny, but you got to just get past that. Like, the truths that are within it are invaluable, you know, and uh, they can be life-changing if you allow them to. You know, it's it's tough to talk about, like, books because everyone's like oh another self-help book but this one is really not it's more it's more just like 
here's a better way to live and think about things. It's just you four know? agreements just that you like, can live your life by. And uh, it takes work. It's not easy. I have a really difficult time with being impeccable with my words sometimes. Mm. You know, I live in New York. So the first thing you want to do is just be right in somebody's face, aggressive when they're when there's a problem, you know, and it's also about how we use our words towards ourselves. Right. And know? I have changed. That yeah. actually has changed. You know, I've stopped being as self deprecating. Yeah. Um no negative self talk, gossiping. Yeah. You know, all of those are detrimental. And I uh I still think it's funny. Self deprecating self deprecating humor can be great. Totally. But you have to it's a fine line between self deprecating humor and just being like hating yourself, you know. And, yeah. Uh, learning how to not hate oh, yourself. Oh, I self deprecated to for a long time about myself. Mm-hmm. Even when people were like would call me out on it, I had no idea what I you don't like, even know what it is. You don't I even know. recognize it in your own mind. But yeah, good luck. Like, but this is just my this is just my personality. I just like to make fun of myself. Yeah, it's great. I love myself. Super. Not. <laughs> like super. I'm a loser. <laughs> Why so don't funny. you kill me? I'm on my hand to tell. I gotta say, we had some good music. Um, I I sound all whispery and sexual. Like, is this not, what I sound like on a normal day? We're not. This is not an ASMR podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Here we go. That's just gross. Oh, no, I just sound like. Never mind. I don't know what just I happened. Don't, I'm not even going to cut that out. I'm going to make all you guys listen to Did that. Did you buy that? I'm going to make all two people that get this Did far into the podcast listen to that. Yeah, this is. <laughs> if they're still listening to this, they, well, we, we've done pretty good so far. Yeah, we, I ha- mean, we don't have a whole lot of empty silence that we don't know what to I'm say. I'm pretty sure we would never have empty silence. No, definitely not. I'm getting hungry for that cheesecake, though. Oh yeah, so I can't eat after midnight. So I feel like I yeah, should Clark fill up here. a little bit more right yeah. now. What time is it right now? We got 30, 36% left on the podcast. I can't have. Or left on the uh, iPad here. We're using an iPad for podcasting. Oh. It's working pretty well. Is this the sponsorship where we like yeah, iPad 500? No. Uh, yeah, I just really want to get like the fleshlight or something like that. Wow. To advertise. <laughs> <laughs> the four agreements and fleshlights. Yes. Today's po- uh, po- episode Today's is podcast is brought to you by a sex agreements toy. and fleshlights. Yeah. Um, because we're sex positive at Strange McKnight's. I mean, yeah, sex is great. Sex is good. It's good. It's good. You know, it's really good if it's you know, between two healthy, healthy, happy people. Yeah. You know, especially also if you're not drunk. Actually, you know, sober How sex you is about, really amazing. That took me a minute to get used to. Like that was intense. That took sober me a sex was really intimidating. I don't, I don't know before. When I when I first started having sex, I wasn't drinking. I was just having sex for the first couple of people. And then I got to New York, and then I started drinking. And then all the sex became – all drinking and sex were one and the same. Yeah. So I would almost only have sex when I was drinking or when I was drunk. And so learning how to become intimate and physically intimate with somebody without that crutch, even with a girlfriend, was really difficult. You know, it was a – because I think even when I had girlfriends, anytime we had sex, anytime we slept together, it was oftentimes under the influence of something. Yeah. And I was, you know, either weed or, or booze. I was never anything else, you know. Although we had that opportunity that one night at the skinny. Hey, guys, you want to come over and do some hard drugs? <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to Emeritus? I don't know. She moved to like Seattle or something. She's probably married. Got married, had a baby. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. She was a cool person. Yeah, that's great. The anyway, skinny. yeah, we used to hang oh out. Oh my the god, we, we'd hang out in the Lower East Side. It's gonna sound super douchey. That was our jam. But before, before it was like what it is now. You know, there was like three bars. You know, and uh, there was the Skinny. There was the Pink Pony. Uh, I think there was one other spot. I can't remember the name. There was Lolita, and then the, uh, Barrio Chino had just opened, but like. There weren't droves of people down there. It was still a lot of empty storefronts. I mean, I haven't been in New York City. I mean, I've been there, but I haven't lived there. Our old and the last time I went to Williamsburg, oh my God, not Williamsburg, but Bushwick. What? Our entire neighborhood in Bushwick what has become like the Williamsburg. fuck CrossFit boxes. Uh, I mean, I don't, hate, I don't hate on that. Yeah. Uh, Clark is a CrossFit coach. Guys. Yeah. Ripped. Ripped 42-year-old guy I can. Yeah. He likes to show off his biceps. You know. Sun's out, guns out. No, I don't show up. I mean, I'm not naked right now. I mean, I'm kind of am. 
Not really. Are you or are you? I'm not at all, actually. I have a T-shirt on. That's uh, it, though. I can I can uh, assure the audience that uh, Clark is wearing a T-shirt. It's true. The We're actually literally wearing the same T-shirt. We're both wearing dark uh, jeans, I don't black wear, T-shirt. Yeah, but I don't wear V-necks, bro. Oh, it kind of looks like a V-neck a little bit. I wear crew necks only. I'm mm. only a crew neck guy. Just crew necks feel crew like they're choking die. me. Crew neck or die. Crew neck or die. I wasn't in a fraternity, Clark. I'm not wearing a fucking V-neck. Oh, all right. You know what? We all made, we've all made bad choices in life. <laughs> I went to small liberal arts school in Greencastle, Indiana. There was nothing else to do but either music and a frat. What are you going to do? Mm. But ironically... A former frat brother connected me with a guy who's now mentoring me in crypto and trading and learning how to do it really well. So, you know, you never know what connections are going to bring you. They're going to offer you opportunities to progress you and grow in life. I joined the uh, um, GED fraternity that has gotten me no opportunities in life. The GED? <laughs> General Education equivalent. Nice. Yeah. Um, general education diploma, general equivalence. Yeah. Did you ever get your degree from like the school in, in New York? No. Well, I got a two-year degree, but that doesn't do anything. Four-year degrees don't even do anything anymore. Nothing anymore. You have to have an advanced degree if you. Um, but even them, like, it's not going to get you a job. When my son like, is, computers. when my son finished high school, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, look, do not go to college. Find a trade. Go to if trade. You don't know what you want to do. I mean, he wants to build robots like Elon Musk, so. I was like, well, you're definitely going to have to go to school. When we were in Indiana last, we were driving through Purdue University. I go, hey, bud, if you ever want to go into engineering and build robots like you do, this, well, you be, are... this is the school that you'll want to go to. He's like, well, Dad, I guess we're going to move here then. I was like, move that where? would be Indiana Oh, for him to go to Purdue University. No, he wants to go to MIT, man. It's right there. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart You go hang kid. out with uh, Lex Friedman. Lex Friedman, is a, he has a podcast. It's great. Uh, he's a scientist, Russian guy, or Russian. Lex Friedman. He's from Russia, but he's a great dude. Uh, he, uh, I think he lives around here somewhere. Maybe, no, maybe he moved to Austin. I don't know. He could be part of that huge crew of people that moved to Austin. But yeah, he was an MIT guy. And uh, I think Boston Dynamics or whatever that robot company is that they work out of here. Hi, Bonnie. Uh, my, my dog is uh, in love with Clark. It happens. The ladies like me. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Yeah. Oh, hi there. Well, that's great. She doesn't usually respond to men quite as well as she's responding to you. Well, what can I say? I have good energy. Good pheromones. You know, animals like me. I also have a blind cat. It's actually my girlfriend's, but Olive. She never liked men either, but she really took to me. I just have a thing. What can yeah. I say? Well, you're, you're a gentle soul, Clark. You know, I've really shifted my energy. I've really, my aura, my aura and chi have changed. Chi have changed. Yeah, no. Actually, having Bonnie here, I miss, I miss dogs. Forgot she's how, great. I forgot how nice they are. She's a great dog. I mean, cats are great, you know, but dogs are a lot of fun. Anyway. Well, they're more interactive. They are. Oh, the, you, uh, you tie tie baby? I'm not tired. I feel, Don't you judge me. I mean, I'll, it's like my bedtime. No, it's not even my bedtime. Yeah, it's only 8 o'clock, man. Well, I've been up since 4.20. On, on <laughs> I get up and coach you. Yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sober, but I wake up at 4.20 to smoke weed. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Uh, I coach CrossFit classes in the morning, which takes a toll after a while, getting up so early all the time. Yeah. But I love the people in the community. I like giving back. Call my yin and my yang. You know? Help people live better lives physically hopefully yeah it's good stuff you're doing good man proud yeah. of you you've come a long way doing the best i can you know you too man thanks clark yeah really stop so it sweet we're gonna <laughs> hug now <laughs> we're gonna hump who's the big spoon tonight by the way awkward silence <laughs> <laughs> we had no silence we're just, just kidding everyone <laughs> we're not gonna spoon oh or are we oh men or women Oh, hello, John Wick. I feel like that sounds like him a little bit. You need to have more of a pop. John Wick, excommunicado. He has know? this um, swear engine. Swear engine. John, I'm swear John engine. John Wick. John Wick. Yeah, is he British? 
Like yeah. what? Who? Like, let's Google it. I mean, pull that up, Jamie. I'm. Yeah. Who's Jamie? <laughs> Jamie Vernon from the Rogan Experience. Uh, Ian McShane. Let's look it up. Ian, Ian McShane. John Wick is excommunicado. He's an English actor known hey. for his television performances, particularly as the title role in the BBC series Lovejoy, as Al Swearingen in Deadwood, and uh, Mr. Wednesday in American Gods. Oh, that's a great book. That's a great book. I enjoyed that book quite a bit. It's the series. I haven't seen the TV series. Is that good? No, I've only read the book. I like Neil Gaiman. Good author. Yeah, he's great. He does. He did uh, some weird stuff. Good omens, like, bad omens. Yeah, but he also has done like a, um, illustration, right? Um, graphic novels. Mm, he did a graphic novel project. Maybe. Are you thinking of Guillermo del Toro? Uh, no, we're gonna Google this now. Guillermo del Toro, another awesome author director. Let's see. Here. Visionary. We we've really Gaiman? talked about. So we've really we've really spanned the gambit. Oh, Neil Gaiman's English. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah right. Yes, right, you Neil didn't know Gaiman. that. Books. Oh, oh, hello, everyone. This is Jeeves. Our clock is there for the night. He went to bed, so I stepped in. Right, I'm having some tea uh, and biscuits right now. Yes, he wrote The Eternals. Neil Gaiman. Oh. 1602. Uh, yeah, The Phenomenon. Yeah. Just, oh. oh, wait. The Sandman. Yeah. Welcome to the, the Doll's phenomenon. House. Welcome to the Phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Anything else mm. we want to talk about? Uh, I kind of have to pee. You can hold it. Can I, though? Don't be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's, I mean, we've already covered a lot of stuff. We have. I feel like it was more serious than I expected it to be. But it yeah. was good. We had some fun moments. Do you think anyone ever really wants to listen to our stupid war stories of running around New York? I don't know. Drunk. I think there's a lot of people out there that probably think that they're alone. And they want to know that there's people out there that have probably been through the shit, too. And it's kind of okay to laugh at some of this shit. I mean, you have to. not feel all the shame. Like, people really get upset when they go to, like, say, a 12-step meeting. And there's a lot of people laughing. You know, and they do address that. that you know, it's... But I've always felt that way, even before I was in any sort of program. To be that, like, when you can sit back and laugh at the fucked up shit that's happened in your life, it's it's an easier way to heal from it because you're you're not embodying the shame and the guilt quite as much. And you're, you know, it's important for people to realize that they're human. They're gonna mess up, you know. And most people do. Everyone does. Uh, I mean, yeah. Everyone makes. Anyone we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing. Um. You know, it's uh, and I'm gonna continue to say the wrong things and do the wrong things. I mean, we're human. Yeah. As much as we progress, we're still human. Yeah. All we can do is just try to do the best that we can. That's one of the four agreements. Just do your best. But yes, we have to laugh at ourselves. We have to laugh at our (laughs) journey. (laughs) Yeah, you know, laugh about some of like the nights that we're lucky that we survived, like my worst blackout. You know, how I made it from Fort Lee, New Jersey, to my bed in Spanish Harlem. Without knowing any of it, nothing is funny in hindsight. Better than using a burner phone to text you that I was. <laughs> oh my god! Like ten years after that night. Anyway, guys, I had sent Clark a message pretending to be somebody that had uh, messed around with him that night. Um, and it's a boring story. I'm not even gonna bore you with it. You can find a better way to share that story in the future. But uh, yeah, most of our New York memories were just dumb drunk. Yeah. Pushing you into piles of trash. Oh, my God. You never did get me as good as I got you. Until I <laughs> still you. We were, we were like, what, like ABC Town? So you can call it ABC City? No, ABC Alphabet, Town. Alphabet, Alphabet City. City. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Stumbling around. It's like trash days. Daniel starts pushing me into like all the, the piles of trash. And I start trying to do it back to me. Just sidesteps. And I just keep falling into it. Hit your head on the car. A bump yeah. of the car. And then you made a great point. You're like, bro, (laughs) what if there's a hypodermic needle in those bags? I mean, we were in the East Village. We were in Alphabet City, Tompkins Square Park, which is like a a hub of IV drug use. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah. 
I never considered that, you know? <laughs> I, I just, I, I had a history of dumpster diving, man. I was like, I really, I was like, this is safe. You know, I've jumped in dumpster. I've jumped in dumpsters to get cool shit, you know, porno mags and stuff. Mm. You know, I guess. Uh, yeah, thankfully I didn't get a needle in the arm. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did some really dumb shit. And we don't have any super lasting effects from it, thankfully. As far as we're aware. I've been tested. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. No, we survived. That's all that matters. Yeah. You know, I almost didn't survive where I live now, though, ironically. I survived New York City with my drunkenness, but... Well, this was a dark place, man. Oh, boy. I, I mean, mean, it was a dark time, losing my mom, becoming a parent at the same time. Losing your mom, becoming a parent at the same time. Being a lot of stuff a really, leading up to that. Really difficult marriage, you know. And, you know, I know your wife. Like, we were all friends before Ex. you... Yeah, we were all friends before you guys... Before you guys even got together, you know. So it was a, it was a tough situation, you know. We're, we were all sort of family. We all lived together for a while. Yeah. That was... That was a... Uh, I did that to you. you. I did you, that to you guys. <laughs> no. Well, it was you and Sarah, Jorge and Liana, and me. Yeah. Blue's Clues. Oh, my God. <laughs> Blue's Clues. <laughs> I got too drunk, and I smashed my hand into a pile of bottles, and I just blood from the front door all the way back to my bedroom and you hear Liana being like, it's like Blue's Clues. You know, just like her, her her accent, just like walking through the house, following all the way to my room and Jorge trying to shove his way in and I'm just like, no, no, no. So when did that happen? Door down. Was that after we I had, moved out? We had a house party one night. Yeah, I think you were actually not there that night. I think you might, you might have come by but then you left early or something. But yeah, there was a probably because I had to be home. Rager. No, I think you and Sarah both came. But you left early. Yeah, it was a rager. Yeah. Definitely. We were ahead of our time in that neighborhood. <laughs> Marshmallows from the roof. What a dumb thing to oh do. But my like, God. The, like the least. We had access to uh, the roof. We thought it would be funny to the throw marshmallows. The roof access door. At. And we were tossing marshmallows. We thought it would be funny to throw marshmallows at people on the street. It is kind of funny, to be I honest. I think at first we were trying to get it in, like, there's like a school across the street in the building or like a daycare and no, like we were just trying to hit people <laughs> oh god i knew there were marshmallows man they were gonna do anything um but you know the next day that just the, the entire black asphalt <laughs> street was just like littered with oh where are all these marshmallows come from <laughs> this is crazy that's a waste of good marshmallows oh yeah you know sarah palin blow-up dolls oh that i threw on the track <laughs> so can you imagine what that subway conductor must have thought Dude, when he saw a like, blow-up doll across the Can you the imagine what would have happened if a cop had seen me throw that? Or the person that we knew threw the blow-up doll on the subway tracks? <laughs> yeah, we really... I mean, I mean, New York City's full of I mean, people we, making really bad choices all the, the time. Yeah, but the choices that we made weren't that bad compared to some other That's people's true. choices. You know, we, uh, we were just young. Dumb and full of cum. I guess there we go. <laughs> that definitely was part of it. Yeah, it was definitely part of it. Uh, Pent up cum because of religion. Oh God, I'm so glad that's not part of my life anymore. Oh, oh, God. Oh. I hope my son never finds this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he will when you're oh super famous. Hey, Dad, day. I found the most amazing thing. What's that, Sebastian? <laughs> that's me when I'm really old. By the way. Is that what you're going to sound like? I sound like Will Ferrell as a prospector. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah, well. That was, we should save some stuff for the next one. Yeah, you know, this actually was pretty good. This was a pretty good podcast for the very first one I've ever done. Literally off the cuff. Literally off the cuff. No preparation. We were, You know, it is helpful that we know each other pretty well. But Oh, yeah. And, you know, in the, I think the next time we get together and do this, we should maybe try to prepare some stuff. You know, yeah, we should bit. outline, have yeah. a format. We don't necessarily have to have a format, just like, you know, some decent talking points that we can kind of. I mean, I still think the idea of opening one of the books and just reading a line and talking. Well, let's try it right now. Let's see what happens. Let's not do it. I'm not even going to look. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, okay. Same same author as The Four Agreements. The Mastery of Love. Oh, yeah. Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz. Do it. Just open somewhere. You are going to be the right man for her if she loves you just the way you are, and she doesn't want to change you. 
She doesn't have to be responsible for you. She can trust that you are going to be what you claim you are, what you project you are. She can be as honest as possible and project to you what she is. Interesting. Go. Well, I would say that, you know, that's talking about just feeling safe in a relationship, but that in love, you can be who you are and the other person will accept you for that and not try to change you. And vice versa. Yeah. Mutual respect. Yeah. Interesting. Good stuff. Yeah. How can people find you? You can't. I'm an enigma. Uh, I mean, you can find me on TikTok <laughs> under the Sober Web. The Sober Web. You can find me on YouTube as Clark Webb or Web Venture TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find uh, the ClarkWeb.com, a blog that I started. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got some, you know. Don't you have something called the Whispering Web? Are you still doing that one? Mm, I didn't quite run with it, but I still like that a lot. Yeah, you should do something. I've got a lot of ideas. Just what about sure. Instagram? A lot of. Yeah, Clark Web too. You know, Clark Web. I took a break from content though. Yeah, I was doing a lot of content around sobriety work and spirituality, and you know, it's good stuff. But just needed a break. Balance, man. I also got to make some money. Yeah, money. You know, yeah, you can't make content if you don't have any money. Got to make that money. Anyway, it's been a pleasure, Mr. Clark. Yeah, man, I love thank you. Thank you dude. for. Uh, I love you too, man. <laughs> thank you for. Thank you for putting up with this and me forcing. My pleasure. You, me basically forcing you into the situation the night before your surgery. Oh, you know what you should. And we'll add. do another one tomorrow. But when you're you, high as fuck. Well, like right when we get back in, I'm gonna leave this set up. We're gonna do podcast part two right and here. Well, you should just put it on the end of this. Yeah, I think I'm gonna leave the it next like day. Yeah. <laughs> Continued. No, we'll make a second one because I'll put part two and then, you know, we can listen. Part two. Part two. Yeah, man. All right. It's been fun, man. We'll figure out how to do this uh, even when you're in the city. Yeah. Done. And I'm here where I am. Yeah, for sure. And scene.